God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Please be seated. So here's a story that some of you have heard before. Um, It's from years ago when I was in my mid-twenties, and I found myself traveling in Guatemala. Ah, the microphone's working now. Um, And so uh, this is a story from, you know, back in those days when when you're young and you're doing things, uh, traveling the way that young people do. And as I was thinking about this story and that I would tell it to you today, I realized Inevitably, there are some youth that are going to be hearing this who soon will be in their mid-twenties, who are going to be young adults soon. And um, I also realize there are a lot of lawyers that are going to be in this room, and some of them are parents of some of the youth. So this is my disclaimer, and this is the one time you'll hear me say, um, do not practice what I preach. (laughs) So traveling in Guatemala, I just had my backpack and just enough Spanish that I could get around. Um, And I was traveling for five weeks with the intention of immersing myself actually to work on my Spanish, to learn it. And uh, the way that I got around the country is the way that most people get around in Guatemala. And if you've been to Central America, you will be familiar with something called the chicken bus. So the chicken bus or the chicken buses that you see are these um, former school buses. They're the yellow school buses that are used in North America, and then at some point they're deemed mostly unsafe and they're retired, and then they find their way down to Central America, and they get a whole new paint job. If you've seen them, the outside is glorious. All colors, and you get scripture passages, and a lot of the buses have names that are um, emblazoned right on the front. And inside the bus, there are depictions of wrestling stars and Looney Tune characters and Catholic saints, all sharing space inside gloriously. Um, And also what what happens is the buses are are driven with gusto, you know, um, (laughs) especially on the windy, steep mountain roads. Um, One of the things that I realized when I would ride the buses around the country was it's best not to look at the tires. Usually the tires are bald. There's no tread at all. Um, It's better just not to know that. And one of the times I I was on one of the chicken buses and uh, the driver up in front of him had many things painted and and right over his head was a phrase because this was a man of God who was driving and he said, I believe in the Lord. I am not afraid to die. So we here in our setting live in a culture that loves safety. And often for good reason, we love safety, but we might ask ourselves, safety for what? Because there's a big difference between merely avoiding dying and actually living. Real living inherently involves danger. And when we accept that reality, the reality that we can never be totally protected, it turns out that that moment is usually when we begin to really live. For these women who we hear about this morning who approach the tomb of Jesus, 
For them, it was past the point of safety. Safety was no longer a factor because for them, the worst had already just happened. Their beloved teacher, their rabbi, their friend, had just died before their eyes in a terrible way. Jesus died on the cross like an outcast or a criminal, like someone for whom society deemed his life didn't matter. All they could hope at this point was to embalm a body. Matthew's gospel doesn't actually say that explicitly that they were there to embalm him, but the other gospels do, and we can imagine that was their purpose. That was their best hope, was that they would find the dead body of their beloved friend so they could embalm the body in the tomb. But when the women arrive, they find something completely different. In fact, there is a a pretty dramatic scene. There's a large earthquake, and in the earthquake, all of a sudden, an angel descends. An angel who is wearing clothing that was, is so dazzling white, the text describes it as being like lightning. They can barely even look upon this being, and it, the angel rolls the stone away and sits on top of the stone in front of the tomb and speaks to them. And Do you notice that very first word that the angel says? Do not be afraid. Because of course the women are afraid. So would any of us be. That first Easter morning, the first experience was fear. But the angel says, do not be afraid. And he explains that you're not going to find a body in this tomb because Jesus has been risen. And if you go ahead to Galilee, you will see him there. And then they turn around and another big surprise, they actually see him raised. And he says the exact same thing. First he says, Do not be afraid. And then he says, go to Galilee and tell the others, you will find me there. And then this, what I think fascinating phrase that that we get is that the, the women, their response is two things. It is fear and joy. They feel both fear and joy in this moment, this first Easter. We should remember that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy is something much deeper. You can feel grief, actually, and also feel joy. You can feel nervous and also feel joy. Because joy is present when meaning is present, or when wholeness is present, or when togetherness is present. The women were on the cusp of something new breaking into the world, something that they had never imagined. And there for them was both fear and joy on that first Easter. In that moment, I am sure that they did not feel very safe, but they felt very alive. The tendency for us human beings to cling to what is safe is one of the most human things there is. We certainly feel it, I think, right now at this era when we live, this this day and age that we're in the middle of, when it's marked by an unbelievably rapid amount of change all around. I happen to be the father of a teenage daughter, and I've caught myself recently sometimes being in the role of the curmudgeon. 
saying things like, well, back in the old days, <laughs> back in the old days before we had cell phones, back when we had to memorize things, we didn't have Google and we liked it. <laughs> But the truth is, so much as we might be tempted, we can't live in the past. Just like we can't live in the future, the truth is we can only live in this moment. That's the only place where life can possibly happen. One of my favorite professors in divinity school was a man named David Bartlett. And so the, the seminary that I went to was a divinity school that had lots of Episcopalians, but also had lots of everybody else and a lot of professors from different traditions. And David Bartlett was an American Baptist and a tall, skinny guy uh, with the voice of God, this booming voice when he spoke, and a wonderful, unruly, but wispy beard that gave him a prophetic presence. And Professor Bartlett uh, shared with us one time about how he actually, well, he had graduated from the school in 1967, and he did not like reunions because he, he didn't enjoy when all the people would come back from his class and they would just remark about how everything was better before. They couldn't appreciate anything good in the way that the school had changed over the years or the way that the church had changed over the years. And he said, to be that way, it's like coming to a holy place, clinging to the past and turning it, which is a sanctuary, into a tomb. The case of the women is so interesting because they came expecting a tomb, but they found a sanctuary. They were surprised by joy, by life, and even by fear. They were surprised by holiness in the now. And so on a beautiful morning like today, on this Easter, when we stand at the empty tomb ourselves, I think Professor Bartlett would have us ask ourselves this important question. Do we seek Christ to embalm him or to follow him? In this life, it turns out there is no such thing as safety. We're all on a bus. And thank God we are on it together. And we can be companions to each other on our journey. We can listen to Jesus' words and we can go to Galilee and see him and know him. We can let his risen life give us life too. In the end, joy does not come from being safe, but from being whole, from living with meaning and purpose, and from knowing that this day Christ is alive and he wants us to be also. Amen.